This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Today, it's an honor and a pleasure to have a conversation with my VIP guest, Professor Bhaskaran. Professor Ravi Kumar Bhaskaran is truly a legendary figure for IIT Kharagpur alumni who graduated between 1982 and 2005, when he was the professor in charge of training and placement. He was responsible for making IIT Kharagpur the nation's most sought after IIT campus for recruiting a position the Institute enjoys even today. I personally graduated from IIT Kharagpur in 1986 and was fortunate to benefit from the vision and leadership of this man, a genius. In fact, I sometimes feel he was so far ahead of his times with no social media or anything because if Professor Bhaskaran had the access of social media today, wow, I can't even imagine. Before this conversation, I talked to quite a few alumni, and I would share a few of their quotes during this conversation. One alumni put this beautifully in perspective is in life. When we all take the first baby step, there's a smile on a baby's face that I'm walking now. Professor Bhaskaran did the same thing for us when we took the baby step outside the institute in the real world. And he was there for each one of us when we took the first step outside the institution. And the trust and the belief he had and his commitment to launch us to the next level changed lives. Professor Bhaskaran, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Thank you very much, Arjun. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Long time since we met. Truly, sir. So, okay. I'm very happy to be here today. So, sir, the first and foremost, I want to take you the thank you again on behalf of all the alumni. I also want to ask you straight to your first day you took over the training and placement department at IIT Kharagpur. What was your vision? Like, why did you take the job? I really want to go there and understand what was Professor Bhaskar thinking. Yeah, I mean, uh, really, uh, what really happened was that <clears throat> IIT Kharagpur was looking for somebody to head there. IIT Kharagpur is the first institute to uh, advertise for a full-time professor in charge of training and placement and looking for a right candidate. And they probably tried once and nobody found suitable. And they advertised for a second time. And at that point of time, some of the faculty members, senior faculty members of IIT, Kharagpur, whom I knew, they sounded me and asked me whether I would be interested in taking up this position. Frankly, at that point of time, my daughter was studying in a very good school at Delhi. And uh, moving to Karakpur was not exactly what we had in mind, knowing Karakpur being a small town and so on. Nonetheless, I applied. And it's when I 
went for the interview that I, it struck me that it's going to be a, a good opportunity for me because I'll be joining the oldest IIT, mm -hmm. well-known all over the world. We have alumni even at that time all over the world and very bright students and very bright colleagues. So I thought that's the right place to get uh, with my kind of a background. I thought that's the right place to get in. Mm -hmm. And then I found the interview board also very keen uh, to consider me seriously for that particular position. And then I took the plunge and decided, okay, and uh, my family members also agreed that it is worth the trouble moving over from Delhi to Raghupur. That's how I came in here. Mm -hmm. uh, you see, I particularly, I knew the job, what it involved, and I was pretty much excited. But uh, what set the uh, the uh, the move, or rather, the what set the ball moving, is what the director told me. Mm -hmm. The director told me that there is a huge challenge there at IIT Kharagpur because two batches of graduates were passing out together in 1985, mm -hmm. the four-year batch and the five-year batch. Yeah. There are two batches of students passing out and the students are extremely concerned what their prospects would be in terms of placements. And uh, he said that that is the main reason why we were looking for somebody like you. You may have to pull off a miracle in terms of, but the director himself had known my kind of work that I was doing earlier. He had some kind of a confidence that I'm the kind of a person who can pull off this so-called miracle. And secondly, he said that uh, we need to build uh, very strong corporate relations with the Institute, which at the moment is a bit weak. And thirdly, uh, he thought that placement uh, window is also a good place for building alumni relations because a large number of alumni are in corporates and we could possibly involve them to recruit uh, more of their own, you know, I mean, students from their own institute, from their alma mater, and so on. So that is what set the ball moving. And I, I got pretty much excited that I'm going to face a challenge. And that I will I will try to deliver the, the, the I mean, the what the director was looking for. Mm -hmm. And that's how he set the ball moving. Uh, so... Um, that's it. How oh, I did it is something else that I'll probably discuss during the course of the interview. So, now I'm so glad you said yes. So you talked about setting up relationships with the corporate world. Yeah. Now, by the time, you know, 86 came, in four years, you already were connected to everybody in all corners of India. Yeah. What's the secret to build these very strong corporate relationships where people trusted you and you were the number one place people were going to recruit future uh, future employees? Yeah, you see, that's part of the strategy. The first one which I did was because we needed to generate a lot of jobs. At that moment, the major recruiter of graduate engineers in particular were the public sector organizations. I was very lucky to have worked in the government of India before I moved over here. I was, in fact, a specialist in the Union Public Service Commission. 
And uh, I knew the way in which the bureaucracy works in uh, Delhi. So I started writing to the people in power, the Bureau of Public Enterprises, saying that you people are not able to attract IIT graduates. IIT graduates are being produced at considerable cost to the government of India, heavily subsidized by the government of India. And you are not getting enough of them because you do not come for campus recruitment. You believe in advertising for this post and uh, for your post, vacant posts, and uh, expect the students to apply, but I'm sorry, no IITN is going to apply for posts, advertising the newspapers and wait for you to recruit. So I made a pitch that you must come for campus recruitment and that's the only way in which you can recruit. And I kept following this with various levels at the secretary level, heavy industry, and uh, several other government departments. And finally, to my, you know, I mean, happiness, uh, by 2004, many companies, about a couple of years after I took over charge as professor in charge, it took two years, in fact, they started wakening up, but they had to change the recruitment rules hmm. because it's all government departments. They can't take squad decisions. They had to go to their board and change the recruitment rules to say, that at least 25% of all vacancies that they have will be filled up only by campus recruitment at IITs, which are in any case attracting students from all over the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no quota for any state or any, except in the usual 15% scheduled cost quota and 75% scheduled type quota, which is there even with government. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, there are other quotas. So you should recruit. So that's how the company started flowing. And that's how we made a tremendous success. And along with this, you know, I mean, I used to write quite a large number of letters. You would be surprised, no? Letters, typed letters signed by me to, because there was no internet. Mm -hmm. There was no email. So I had to send the address, collated the addresses of all these companies, try to find out the HR managers responsible and write to them painstakingly, both for placement as well as for internship. And, uh, you know, I mean, in fact, some of those uh, people, I remember, some companies, they were suddenly, you know, they, they got back to me and said, what has happened at Karakpur? Mm -hmm. Suddenly, you know, there is something like, something has woken up here. Mm -hmm. Somebody bombarding us with letters. Mm -hmm. That's how we build. And then I usually attend to all telephone calls and uh, properly, and uh, I, 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 I really grab at the opportunities that come my way. And then they found the entire thing fair. And um, well, I think as we go along, I'll tell you more. Absolutely. Actually, the best campus to recruit from for various reasons. Many of these corporates. I like the way you talked about the perception you created that IIT Kharagpur has woken up. And to me, I think it was the beginning of the brand as seen outside. The brand is not we think inside. Brand is what others see. Absolutely. And, you know, on that note, I also want to get to another quote from another alumni. He talked about you used to be the best and the most well-dressed person on campus. <laughs> that was very important because you set the standard. Because if each one of us showed up in slippers or chappals casually, <laughs> it ruins the brand. And you set the tone of discipline. One of the alumni I was talking to last night talked about when he failed to show up 
for an internship, you would not let him take interviews for a month or two. <laughs> it was very important discipline and that taught him important of importance of standing up because you explain to the person that you are not the only person we will place to that institution once you are unprofessional that unprofessional unprofessionalism hits future students and the institute forever and he has taken that lesson as a lesson from professor bhaskaran from 30 years back Forever. Like he's grateful to you for not letting him sit on those two months or one month of interviews. That's there. <laughs> so, sir, I want to go back to anything personal. Okay. What was a few fulfilling moments in this journey that when you look back, it wasn't the money. It was about you making an impact. What makes you feel good about what you did over all these years? Yeah, I think um, the, the, the most uh, striking thing is the amount of trust that the students uh, they believe that they that I'll be able to help them mm -hmm. and I'll be able to kind of uh, handle their needs mm -hmm. the trust that they had in me was something that uh, was very palpable I, I could see that and that I needed to really you know sort of live up to that trust mm -hmm. as number one mm -hmm. and number two with each batch of students graduating from their the amount of love and affection that they had towards me was another thing which was driving me. You know, I mean, I, what did they do? I might have helped them to get a job, but why? There are so many things that are happening, but why are they so affectionate? Why are they so... And that's partly, as you say, because of the so-called discipline. I mean, it is not that something which I imposed. It mm -hmm. is something that I convinced them. That is necessary for us. Because we should look like, I, I used to tell them that when companies come to the campus, they must be seeing 100 faces here, any one of whom is fit for the job. And they must have a hard time recruiting the, the, a few from that crowd. So I don't know whether you remember your days, our students used to come wearing, particularly the boys, wear tie and shoes, as you said, and tucked in, I used to say, light-colored shirts and dark-colored pants and uh, the belt in place, hair properly groomed, and we want to wear beard, fine, but then groom it properly. I used to go to the small details, you know, and uh, convince them. It's not as if I, I, I dictate to them that you must do it, otherwise I won't allow it. That's not the way. The way is that we need to put up the best show. Mm -hmm. And several recruiters have told me that they go to several campuses and recruit, but they don't find the students they are very, very casual, extremely casual, but not so at Karakpur, at least during my time. They were all very pretty serious. And then we keep the schedule, you know, I mean, and as you said, rightly, I, I, I try to contact these guys. If somebody is delayed and he's stuck up in the, in the hall, I try to send somebody and then pull him out of the hall. Yeah. <laughs> I took personal, uh, what shall I say, individual interest. Yeah. I used to track who are the candidates attending the interview and who are placed and why others have got, not got jobs. So it used to be a very personal, very involved affair. That, that was sure. And that is why I had so much of love uh, and affection of uh, students who graduate. And that's the powerful part, sir, what you talked about. 
is between these years of 82 to 2005, every person I talked to talked about not just what you did for the campus, but what you did for me personally, individually. And, you know, I'll give you two examples. One is a little funny. In our wing of 11 of us, we had one pen, which was worthy for an interview. And we had to synchronize on how do we switch and change before we go for the interview. Because that was the standard, you know. And I that know that. Was, I can, I can that was really that. important for us <clears throat> to go through as you look at. And the second thing, you know, when you talked about the lesson of professionalism, the important thing was because you did not bulldoze it on us, you taught us, you changed habits. It helped us the first day when we went and after we got the job, thanks to you, we knew how to act. We knew the standard was set at the interview and that helped a lot of IIT students, Kharagpur students shine from day one because nobody else was fortunate to have a professor Bhaskaran who taught them how to be professional on day one, day two, day three. So this one quote you will like. This person talked about Professor Bhaskar and the three dimensions are very different, very unique. This alumni talks about no nonsense, efficient, and always on our side. I really think this guy, this person captured it beautifully that you were no nonsense, totally professional, efficient. And the efficiency was very important because sometimes government organizations become bureaucratic. It's not happening on time. You set the standards that was very important as we started going through. Now, another quote that came out was, any one of us, when we came to the campus, the first light that was on in the building was your office. And even late evening when we are there for a play at the foyer, we are rehearsing, the light was still on in your office. It's a story of dedication and commitment. What was, like, you, you didn't just serve the Institute, you served everyone. Like, can you tell me a little bit more about your passion, vision, for there to be there for every student, every time? Yeah, that, that, yeah, again, the same thing, you know. When the students repose so much of trust in you and are so loving and affectionate, the entire relationship becomes different. It's no longer... No longer that I'm doing a job for the money that I'm paid by way of salary. It's a personal commitment. Commitment to the students to see mm -hmm. that. I mean, it was something extremely personal. Maybe something like what you have at home. I would rather consider all the students as members of my extended family. I mean, uh, I would say even my children, if you want to call it that way. I mean, that's the kind of relationship that I thought I have with the students and we're being reciprocated. Mm -hmm. So that is why, you know, I mean, I, I felt I have to drive myself. And fortunately, you know, my family also cooperated. That's also very important. My wife uh, would allow me to kind of spend a lot of time at the campus. And uh, besides that, even after the office hours, I sometimes go and spend some time in the gymkhana. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that's also part of the confidence building and the trust building, you know, that 
I'm not just the professor there trying to manage your placements, but I'm also part of, uh, you know, I mean, the student body, mm -hmm. try to after, after office hours. So I used to religiously attend most of the Gymkhana functions, particularly the, the music society, technology mm -hmm. music society, digital music. I used to be a regular along with my family. I mean, build a bond. And that is what is responsible for the trust. Mm -hmm. Trust was very important uh, to be able to. Because I, I pulled out some candidates from certain interviews saying that this is not the kind of a job for you. You can get something better. Mm -hmm. And they believed me. So that's the kind of a trust that, that I had to do. Because yeah, that was the passion. And that concept of trust that you earn, taking it to the point where when you're pulling me out of an interview that I can do something better and I believe you, was very, very powerful. Here's a question I want to look at a little differently. You're a human being. You're seeing all of our students. It's very natural for a human being to say, you know, a few of these people I like, a few of these people I don't like that much. But you took all bias out and you helped every person. Help me understand how, in a situation, your success was taking the bias out. How did you take any personal biases out and serve every student? <laughs> oh, that, that's a very interesting question. I mean, this is this is something which, you know, I was very committed to when I took mm -hmm. up this job. Mm -hmm. I won't, I will never try to discriminate one student. Every student is, I mean, he has also earned this position in the institute. He has come through the same competitive examination. Mm -hmm. People are different. People are different. I mean, there are quite a few students who have ignored me. I mean, for them, even now, even alumni, some of them, they probably ignored me. That's part of the game. I mean, but as far as my commitment is concerned, it's the same commitment to everybody. Mm -hmm. They all come through the same process of selection. Mm -hmm. Everybody has got the same hopes and uh, uh, I mean, fears. So I had to be there for everybody. That's what is, it's a, it's a commitment that I had. I, I didn't, um, and that, I told you one incident about me, even my daughter. She was also a student. She is also an alumna. And I told her very clearly at home that as far as I'm concerned, you are another student. So you take your chance, you take your turn. I will look after you as much as far as your placement prospects are concerned. I look after you just like I look after any other student. And everybody else knows that. All the students know that. that I, won't, I won't even try to help my daughter. I mean, she has to fend for herself. That is what uh, was very important for the students. I want to finish that story. And that story, when I finally got to hear, really set the bar of standards. Standards and ethics, my grandmother taught me, is what you do when nobody is watching you. So Professor Bhaskaran's daughter, at the end of her, towards the end of her five-year MSc program, was in the going through interviews. For a campus interview, when the candidates were all getting ready, the external interviewer was there. At the end, 
the recruiter gave Professor Bhaskaran, these are the list of people who were shortlisted. And that's the time Professor Bhaskaran just simply asked by saying, hey, you know, is that particular person, did that person make the cut or not? The recruiter said the cut was at 60%. There were three people at 59. That girl was at 59. Professor Bhaskaran said, thank you. And the recruiter asked Professor Bhaskaran, so why do you ask? So he just said, sir, just said smilingly, oh, that's my daughter. No worries. The recruiter was very simple. He said, no, no, no. If you told me earlier, I would have moved the cut to 59 because 59, 60 is not that much. And those three students would have come in to the shortlist. And sir said, look, rules are rules, whatever you've decided. And you know, to me, I kept thinking that for all of us, our children are special. My daughter is very special to me. And in a position where you put your ethics first, uncompromised, for one point, I really, it hit home. And that to me defines, sir, and thank you for being such an amazing role model. So I have a question for you, sir, is when you think back, are there any moments, memories come out that really jump out about this one company comes for the first time, a big job, anything that jumps out in your mind when you reflect back, a few of the stories? Yeah, yeah. In fact, oh, yeah, that was very important for us. You see, the strategy that I always adopted is that because I read a lot of business magazines and so on, several companies, and those were the early years, 1985, Texas Instruments, for instance. The first recruitment took place in 1985. Mm -hmm. And IIT Karakpur was able to attract them, right? Because I keep writing to them much earlier. The moment any information comes in the newspaper saying that TI is going to set up a subsidiary in Bangalore, I am after them. Wow. I said, look here, we are an institute, we have got courses in microelectronics as one of our specialization. And... Um, we have competent teachers, good labs, and so on and so forth. So when you start recruiting in India, please consider our campus. And that is how and we made it a, a regular exercise to get every company which recruits students for the first time. They We would like to have them come to the Karakpur campus first. And that is how Bobby Mitra is one of the, one of the first graduates to have been recruited. And he rose up to the position of managing director of uh, Texas Instruments at Bangalore, the 1980 BTEC recruit wow. in 1985. So, I mean, that is the kind of a thing that we did. New companies, very important for us. Everybody, Samsung, several companies which have started recruiting from India for the first time, they came. And I see, look here, on one side, I was very keen on getting the best offers for the students. On the other side, I also took care to ensure that I give a fair deal to the companies. Mm -hmm. I never persuaded the company to consider any student of ours. I mean, never pleaded. Why not this candidate? Why not two more students? I say, you come and recruit and go. I, if you don't recruit enough number of students, I have other companies coming here and they will recruit more. I am not bothered. So never impose my conditions on any company. Mm -hmm. I graciously accept it. Because the, the whole process is very complex. This campus recruitment is very complex. Everybody is in a black box. Mm -hmm. 
For example, when he comes to Karakpur, he does not know what kind of candidates are available in the other four or five IITs. He doesn't know. He doesn't know how many students will be available in the other IITs by the time he reaches there. So it's a kind of a black box that everybody is operating. So I do a little bit of marketing. I tell you, tell him that look here, we have all these candidates here. Maybe if you are going for five days later to IIT Madras, you will not get this kind of candidates. Mm -hmm. So you better look at more of more students from my campus. If it's a good company, I'll tell them that. Yeah, a little bit of marketing is necessary, mm -hmm. but uh, by and large, I didn't really bother to persuade any companies to consider more candidates. Persuade the company but there are cases where you know i can probably i should say that even now there are cases where some companies say that they won't recruit an ex guy because he's the silver medalist prospective silver medalist mm -hmm. upper of the class and these students come and weep in my room mm -hmm. they say sir i'm also a student mm -hmm. i may be the class topper but this company is telling me that he will not recruit me because he's not sure whether I'm going to join or go abroad. Mm -hmm. Then how do I go out to the campus without a job? Without a good job. So then I I I intervene at that point of time. I go to the company executives and tell them, look here, you're in business. And in business, you've got to take a risk. Yeah. And the risk is that you are having a candidate here who's possibly the best candidate for your company. You test it. You try to find out. But he's easily the best. And you are just asking him, no, I, mean, I can't recruit you, then what kind of risk are you taking? Supposing he joins. Mm -hmm. Supposing he joins. It can happen. I have seen cases where it has happened. Where some students are unable to take up a scholarship or go abroad because just about a few months or a few days before he is scheduled to leave, uh, his father dies. Mm -hmm. Changing the entire equation in the house. See, from being an ordinary student, he becomes responsible for the family, his mother, his siblings and other people. So he can't afford to go. So he doesn't go. What happens to that guy? He has got to get a job. So I tell them that. And, uh, you know, that impresses. Uh, and sometimes they bring up with rules like, for example, I consider only students who have got throughout first class. Hmm. This kind of one another rule that they bring. Now, you see, there are always late bloomers. And sometimes, you know, it so happens that you don't get a first class. Yeah. You don't get a first class because you, you are, there's one guy who was a state um, player in football. When he was an undergraduate, an empty student. Now, he obviously, he got a second class mm -hmm. because he was busy playing. But he is a good candidate. And... At that point of time, I took Professor N. B. Chakravarti and went to the interview board. And Professor N. B. Chakravarti told him, "Look here, you can't get a candidate like this. He did the best project project for me. Ambit project was the best in the department. Mm -hmm. So that kind of interventions I did, but otherwise I never tried to take sides with anybody. So the thing that hits me is your process." Like you find out in a newspaper article, TI is coming to Bangalore and you right away start sharing information. So uh, that way you are first. And secondly, your whole unbiased way of putting 
the students in front and making the best case for them to shine and let the recruiting companies decide exactly. on will was very important. Yes, and the part I think also, Professor Pastoran, as you know, I listen to this podcast myself again is, and for our rest of us listening, is it's more than recruiting. You knew about our individual lives, what's going on. And I think that is where the trust comes from, is the amount of time you put in as you start going through. So, sir, when you reflect back over all these years, what are some big lessons in life that you have taken from this journey? Yeah, the biggest lesson is that <clears throat> uh, what I learned was the way in which the placements are carried out at the institutions uh, generally, even now for that matter. And the way in which I was doing is fairly okay. But still, um, basically, you know, that's not the way uh, to go ahead. What you need to do is to spend more time trying to ask the student to find out where he thinks he'll fit in best. Mm -hmm. Some kind of a, you know, I mean, self-evaluation. Some kind of a, 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 trying to find out where his strengths are. What kind of careers would he like to do? Where he can shine? Where he can blossom? And uh, where, which, about which he's very passionate. And then start looking around for jobs in that particular area. So that he is a round hole in the round. Uh, I mean, otherwise, you know, now it's a kind of a one-size-fits-all kind of a recruitment that's going on here. I mean, but I used to take particular care, as I told you. I used to advise the students that this is not a company for you. Mm -hmm. You should be looking at something more, something better. You will get that. Why do you hesitate? Why do you want? Why are you? But you know how it is. You are human, so also patient. Yeah, it's a very emotional or rather very tricky thing. You know, you are talking about me. The wing there are probably ten students. Now, if five students of the ten get jobs, the rest of the five are in panic. They are in panic mode. They just jump into the next interview and try to get a job. Mm -hmm. Because they are not able to take the stress. They won't wait. That's the kind of a situation. It's very difficult. And that is where I intervene sometimes and I just try to reassure them that, uh, you know, they can afford to wait. That was very powerful. And I, I tell them, look here, you've got this company coming tomorrow, you've got the other one coming tomorrow. You miss these two, you've got the other third one coming on the fifth day. So why are you afraid? You'll get one. Because numbers are reducing every day. You know, we have got one job of our norm. So every day the numbers are reducing. And then the companies think, why is this fellow not getting a job? So many mm -hmm. companies have come and gone. And he's not getting a job. So why is he being rejected by everybody else? So that's a worry as far as the company is concerned. Yeah. There I, I may have to go and intervene. And tell them, look here, you look at the track record, how many interviews he has attended. He has attended only four. He didn't attend 20 interviews. So he's not a reject. So I mean it's a question of involvement. It's a question of involvement. Okay, close watch on what's happening. And you were involved and you never gave up. So that's very powerful. 
So, sir, this is an amazing conversation. And as we wrap the conversation, I want to go to one of the last quotes. This person called me to say, during my entire stay, I'm grateful to every faculty member, and don't get me wrong, Arjun, but if there was one rock star, that is Professor Haspar. Okay. <laughs> and he talked about you being the bridge. What's that? The bridge. Uh -huh. the bridge of you were totally connected to the campus. You were connected to every department, to Jim Khanna, to students. Exactly. But you also helped us be a role model on how to be in the world beyond. So, sir, this has been a great conversation. So, thank you again. So, this was an incredible conversation going down the memory lanes. And on behalf of all of us who have been directly and indirectly impacted by your life, I want to thank you and thank you for taking part in the conversation. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.